Hello, and welcome to Raising Eco-Minimalists, a podcast that acts as a community for those who are raising kids who care about their mind, body, and the earth. I'm Laura, your host, mom to a five-year-old and self-described anxious eco-minimalist. Thanks for joining. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Raising Eco-Minimalists. Thank you so much for being here. I truly appreciate each and every one of you that takes time out of their busy day to listen to the show. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Today is a solo episode, so it's going to be just me, but we're going to be talking about something that I think is really important, and that is overscheduling. Not only us, but overscheduling our kids, our families, and of course, obviously, our time too. We're going to get into that in just a moment, but I have a couple of announcements. The first announcement is that as of this recording, the International Panel of Climate Change Report came out, oh geez, about a week ago now. Yeah, it's been a little over a week. And as those of us in the sustainability space could have guessed, it's not good. It's not good news. And those of us with kids have been feeling a lot of anxiety. We've been feeling stressed, anxious, frustrated, and I know that that's not unique to just people that have kids or have have kids in their lives, but it's especially, I think it adds another layer to it. I'm not singling out people <laughs> that don't have kids here, but yeah, it's it's scary. It's just really scary. And I've definitely been feeling the anger and the anxiety, kind of that wave going throughout this past week. So one thing that I always like to talk about is that a great way to channel through that energy is to take action. So another thing I like to share is pick your sustainability lane, right? If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I talk a lot about gardening and seed saving and all that fun stuff. Well, I think it's fun. <laughs> um, one way that I'm taking action is I am offering a totally free workshop where I will teach you all about saving common fruits and vegetable seeds. I will also be sharing very specific ways and resources where you can share those seeds, right? Because gardening and seed saving is a really fantastic way to build community, to fight climate change, and also address some of the food injustices or food deserts that may be in your area. So I have a seed library and I know that it has really made an impact in the community, and that's not me just boasting or trying to toot my own horn, but it's it's amazed me the ripple effect that has come from this. So I'm a big advocate for gardening and seed saving, and I want to teach you how to do it as well. So again, it's totally free. It's Tuesday, August 31st, 2021, and it's at 7 p.m. Central. I will put the link to the registration page in the show notes, and uh, it'd be great to have you with. The second announcement is probably going to sound familiar, but that is if you haven't yet, please leave an Apple review and rating and or rating. A couple of you have done that, and I'm really grateful. Rating and reviewing the show is a fantastic way to support it and also helps Apple decide whether or not to show it to people who may be looking for new podcasts. So it helps get the podcast in front of people who may need it or want it. All right, let's get into overscheduling. So you may be asking, what does this have to do with eco-friendly living and minimalism? 
well. I've talked in previous episodes about how minimalism goes much beyond just physical items. It's decreasing our calendar commitments. It's being mindful of all sorts of other things that, again, go beyond physical clutter. Overscheduling absolutely fits within minimalism because often we're overscheduling either just because we're keeping up with the Joneses or we are feeling anxious about our kids' future or I don't know, there's probably a lot of reasons. But one thing that I found and I asked on Instagram a few weeks ago now, I asked if during COVID when things were really locked down and shut down, if people realize just how overscheduled they were. And the results came back in my very, very (laughs) unscientific poll that, yeah, like they had noticed it. And I think that is a lot of things with minimalism and and eco-friendly living is that we do things just because that's what other people do and we don't know that there's another option because that's just how our society functions. So, That was one of the polls. The other thing was, uh, as things have opened up now this summer, if people had uh, discovered that they were feeling really overscheduled again. And a lot of people said yes. Some people said no, but a lot of people did say yes. And I certainly have been feeling the tug of being available to go and do all sorts of certain things because, one, we haven't seen a lot of people in over a year, and two, we've been we've been cooped up, of course. But it's important to be mindful of our schedules. And I think that's something that we as a society can really work on. So I want to start off by reading you a couple of statistics. According to pediatrician Deb Lonzer of the Cleveland Clinic, she says that research shows that kids who are overscheduled don't eat well, they have trouble sleeping, and they don't make friends properly. Now, I don't know what properly means, but I'm going to guess that they just don't usually have time to develop social skills. She goes on to say that additionally, overscheduling our kids leads to depression, anxiety, and hampers their ability to solve problems and make good decisions as they get older. Additionally, David Kilkind He's a PhD and author of The Hurried Child, says that he noticed that once kids reach adolescence, he found that they're bored. But it's not bored as in, I don't have anything to do and I don't know what to do. It's bored because the sports and the organized lessons that they've been a part of are no longer fun. Additionally, they grow up going from activity to activity to activity, and they don't know how to operate when they have downtime. And they expect to be constantly entertained because that's what they grew up knowing. And then one more statistic here. According to Alvin Rosenfeld, who is the author of The Overscheduled Child, in the past 20 years, the number of children who participate in organized youth sports has doubled. Yet, teens who try out for high school sports teams are at an all-time low. Now, you're probably wondering, well, what is considered overscheduled? I'm going to give you the annoying answer in that it's going to be different for every family, every kid, every parent. Upon researching again, the thing that I kept seeing over and over again was that kids need downtime. 
being bored is good for their creativity. It allows them to come up with their own ways of entertainment. It allows them to be self-reliant. There's a lot of benefits to it. So how do we get to a point of overscheduling? Well, I think it was Stephanie Safarian in episode two that said that parents, for the, the vast majority of us and guardians as well, of course, we are well-meaning, right? And maybe there's us, some of us that overschedule, of course, unintentionally in hopes of keeping our kids busy and active and out of trouble. Or maybe we have some parental anxiety and get sucked into a comparison. I am from Minnesota and I'm in hockey country for sure. It's not uncommon for hockey kids to start out when they're about three or four. And from what I've heard, it's hard to get into hockey as an organized sport like you're going to play in high school and throughout college if you don't start that early. Additionally, maybe we're concerned about college costs. That's a real thing because college is really expensive. And scholarships through sportings or other sort of extracurricular activities are available. So maybe we're unintentionally pressuring our kids to keep going so that they can have a good college education. There could be a variety of reasons, right? But the important thing is that we are mindful about what we're doing to our kids' schedules. And that also turns, of course, into our family schedule, and that affects your personal schedule and your personal downtime. We could probably talk about the pros and cons and all sorts of reasons why we overschedule, but for now, because we only have a certain amount of time in these episodes, I'm going to get into, I'm going to start sharing five ways that we can stop overscheduling. All right, number one is my number one tip and something that I do with our family and have for a couple of years now. And that is block off time. Family time, couple time, kid downtime, you time. Block it off on your calendar. Get that Google mouse scrolling and block off an afternoon. (laughs) That was really cheesy, but (laughs) block off the time, okay? Block it off. Treat that calendar edition like any other commitment, okay? Because it is. It is a commitment. You are committing yourself to giving your family, your kid, you time to recharge, relax, be bored. And we know that's good for us. An important piece of this is, and and when I was reading uh, some of what these pediatricians and authors of those books were saying, is that this time should primarily be screen-free time because you can block off time, but then if you spend four hours on your phone, you're not really getting any some of those benefits of having downtime. So that's an important caveat. So maybe you pick Friday nights and that's your family uh, pizza game, movie night, you turn off your phones starting at 6 p.m., you'd block off Friday nights for the next six months, something like that. If something comes up that absolutely cannot be avoided, so say something came up on that Friday night, like somebody's retirement party or I don't know, 
you, you know, you really need to go. Just, again, treat it like another commitment. Reschedule for Saturday night. But make sure you keep it on the calendar and don't just keep rescheduling it because then that kind of defeats the purpose. One way to do this is also number two tip, and that's have a family meeting. So I referenced episode two with Stephanie Safari, and I'm going to reference it again. In that one, she talks about having a family mission and value statement. And I think that can really be applicable and good with overscheduling. As a family, talk about what you want your weeks to look like. You know, if you're okay with running around all the time, fine. That's totally fine. But I'm going to guess that that's not something that you're super interested in. So talk with your partner, your kids if they're old enough, and determine what, what you guys want your weekends, your weeknights to look like. Come up with a family value or even can be a part of your mission statement and stick to that. That makes it easier when things start cropping up, like say your kid starts wanting to take on more and more. Having that concrete value and mission statement can help you make decisions going forward. That may be a little bit more difficult. Now, of course, a mission and value statement can change. It doesn't have to be the same starting when your kid's five all the way to 15. That's not realistic. But reevaluate maybe once a year, see where you guys are at, and, and use it to move forward and help make those decisions. Number three, normalize the fact that just because you have free time on your calendar doesn't mean you need to pack it in with stuff. Just like when we have empty space in our homes, doesn't mean we need to pack it in with stuff. That is going against the grain. I know that because we're told that we need all this stuff and it feels weird, right, to have empty space. Almost uncomfortable in a way. I mean, I I, I honestly kind of get a little icky feeling at first and then, you know, I'm able to work through it because that's just the societal conditioning in my opinion. But the same is true for our calendar. So, you know, block off your family time, which is what we said for number one, but then start normalizing free time. And when something comes up on your calendar, if it's not something that you, one, have to do, and two, it doesn't feel good <laughs> when you're thinking about going or doing it, then it's okay to say no. I want you to think about how often you have looked at your calendar, something has come up, and you said, well, I am free. I guess I can't say no. Be honest here. I know I've done it. Let's stop that, okay? <laughs> Let's, if you can take one thing away from this episode, which I hope you do more, but one thing, like, let's stop that because we deserve to have free time in our lives. You deserve to have free time in your life. We do a lot as parents, guardians, as people in the minimalism and sustainability journey, as just human beings, as partners, as friends. If you work, if you're a stay-at-home parent or guardian, we all do a lot and we deserve to have downtime. So let's normalize not packing in our schedules, okay? 
<laughs> All right. Number four goes along with that. And that is if you find yourself constantly packing your schedule and you're always busy, you're, you find yourself often squeezing things in and just busy all the time. And maybe since COVID that has changed a little bit, but even thing prior to COVID, are you busy all the time? I want you to stop and even maybe journal this. Of course, not if you're driving but or walking, but when you get back or wherever you're going. Just take a few minutes and, and really think about why you're constantly busy. And I will tell you that in my 20s especially, I thrived on being busy. Thrived on being busy. It was also around that time that I thought my anxiety had, quote unquote, gone away. There was a good chunk of my 20s where I wasn't on medication, I wasn't seeing a therapist, and I thought I was just thriving, thriving, thriving. And maybe there was some truth to that. However, I was also busier than I had ever been before. And I look back now and I realized that I packed in anything and everything that I could. I did not like to sit at home. I did not like to be still. I did not like open spaces on my calendar. And that was because I was probably stifling my anxiety. I was keeping myself so busy so that I didn't have to stop and address the anxiety that was really there. That may not be true for you, but I think it's actually somewhat common, maybe even fairly common. I do not have any data to back that up, but that's just a hunch that I get. And also just looking at our society in general and our constant need for being busy and filling our schedules. Again, it kind of relates back to filling our houses with stuff, right? We're constantly told that we need things to make us feel happy and make us feel better and all this stuff, just stuff, stuff, stuff. But the truth is that that's not going to make us happy. And shoving our schedules full of things certainly is not going to make us happy. So again, take a couple minutes. And if you were somebody like me who was chronically busy, we'll say, and Maybe you are, your kids are like that too now or whatever. No judgment, of course. We're all learning. We're all trying to make changes and stuff. But just ask yourself why. Why do you think that you have that desire? You might be surprised at what you come up with. All right, the last tip. So this is going to look different for every family. And again, maybe this fits into your mission or values or whatever you decide on on what you want your weeks to look like. But when my son was younger, uh, pre-COVID, my husband and I decided that we were going to only enroll him in one extracurricular at a time and then swimming lessons. So swimming lessons are very important for our family. And so that was something that was a must. And then he ended up doing soccer for about a year or so. So that was what we decided because we didn't want to be running around all the time, every single night, have something going on. Now, I know that older kids might look different. Maybe it's the top two or three that they want to do or what have you. But The important thing is that you are intentional about how many things you're taking on ahead of time so that you're not looking, you know, six months into a school year and wondering how you have five different commitments each week that you have to 
bring your kid to or that you are a part of. Additionally, kind of going back to that parental anxiety or um, stuck in that comparison trap with other families, some of the pediatricians and authors that I referenced earlier mentioned that it's okay if your kid doesn't want to do an organized sport or some type of lesson. And that forcing them to do those things likely will just end up backfiring. They also stated that it's important to take your kid's lead on what they want to do. So if you're really set on, say, football, but your kid really wants to do art class, these authors and pediatricians are recommending to do the art class. But setting your family up for success ahead of time and talking about it and laying down the expectations based on the mission and values is a great way to, again, stay, say no when those hard decisions start coming up. All right, so to recap, kids need downtime. As a general society, we overschedule not only ourselves, but our kids, and they are suffering from it. And of course, this is a very wide generalization. Some kids may do better than others, but for the purpose of this episode, we're talking about kids being overscheduled. And so that's what we'll stick with. The five tips that we talked about were, one, block off family time, you time, kid time, to just be bored, do a hobby, hang out together, relax, ideally screen-free. Two, meet as a family and come up with a mission or value statement. Again, if you want to learn more about that, you can do so in episode two with Stephanie Safarian. Number three. Normalize that just because you're free doesn't mean you need to pack that space in. It's okay to have empty space. Number four, kind of stop and think about why you constantly need to feel busy. What is it about that empty space that makes you feel nervous or makes you want to run away from it? And number five, pick one two, three, whatever works best for your family, extracurriculars at a time and set that expectation right away and reevaluate as needed. This will help say no when things tough come up. That's all that I have for you today. I hope as we go into fall and the busy, busy holiday season, this episode can help keep some of your precious time and physical and mental energy freed up and you can put it towards something that actually fills you with joy instead of drains you. That's it for now. Next week, we'll be back with the final episode for August, if you can believe it, and it will be with a guest, and it's a great episode. I'm really excited to share it with you. Starting in September, the format will go back to every other week with new episodes. Um, I kind of packed in some interviews during the summer because I had so many that I wanted to share. But come fall, it will be back to one interview and one solo episode a month. If you've enjoyed hearing episodes every single week, I would invite you to look into becoming a member of the podcast. On the off weeks that there isn't a new episode, there are bonus episodes for members. So you can take a look at that in the um, show notes and learn more about becoming a member and supporting the show. And remember that 
in order to live a sustainable life, it has to be sustainable for you. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much again for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, and sharing. These three things are the best way to ensure that the podcast reaches other people who are trying to raise eco-minimalists. Additionally, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, as well as the link to join the Facebook community group, all in the show notes. Finally, don't forget that you can become a member of the podcast and receive benefits such as extra bonus episodes, episodes a day early, learn about guests ahead of time, and lots more. The link to becoming a member or to find out more info is also in the show notes. Oh, and one last thing. Don't forget that in order for sustainable living to be sustainable, it has to be sustainable for you. Until next time, bye.